Welcome to episode 35 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from my new makeshift studio in the basement of my home. Unfortunately, not allowed to go back into the New York City studios because of the, the current coronavirus circumstances, but we are making it work as best as we can. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. First and foremost, I hope everyone is doing well. Everyone is healthy during this scary, hectic, chaotic time. I'm not going to lie. I am starting to go a little stir crazy in my home. I'm sure most of you are as well. But what's better than being able to sit at home for the next hour and listen to a brand new episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast? I mean, seriously, what's better than that? Well, actually, actually, don't answer that question. Don't tweet me your answers to that question because uh, I don't need to know. But with that being said, an exciting episode today, something a little different. I haven't had a guest on in a while, so I decided to scroll through my phone and reach out to a, a couple of people that I know who are Packer fanatics that have their eyes always on the Green Bay Packers. Um, and, and they both, two guests, first time we're doing this, two guests have uh, agreed to, to hop on and talk Packer football, free agency, uh, NFL draft, a lot, a lot of good stuff. So joining me first will be Ralph Mancini, writer for PackToTheFuture.com and PackersTalk.com. And after that interview, I'll jump right into things with Joe Zinzola. He is the executive producer of The Bill Michaels Show on 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. So let's welcome in our first guest of the podcast, a good buddy of mine. We used to write together over at LombardiAv.com. Now you can find his work at PackToTheFuture.com and PackersTalk.com. Ralph Mancini joins the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Ralph, how are you? Hey, Joe. It's been a while. Great to be back. It, it certainly has been a while, and things uh, unfortunately have changed in terms of, of society, everyone being quarantined. With that being said, though, have you been able to do anything while quarantine Packer-related? Any, uh, have you watched any old games, read any Packer-related books, anything like that? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really had uh, much of a chance to watch a lot of TV just because, uh, in general, I don't watch a lot of TV um, outside of, you know, when uh, NFL season is, is uh, flowing and, you know, I watch all the games, obviously. But um, I, I have had a chance to uh, write a few articles, uh, a lot of draft-related stuff. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's it's been a good time for me to sort of you know, just uh, hone in on the Packers offseason in terms of, you know, what they're going to do uh, in this upcoming draft. Uh, unfortunately, this offseason, they didn't have a ton of money to spend. So there wasn't a ton to analyze as far as free agent pickups go. But um, but uh, the, the draft should shape up as a great opportunity for the Packers to to really beef up some uh, some areas of, of particular need. And we will talk plenty of draft and, of course, a few of those moves that the Packers made in free agency. But again, it's been a while since the last time we spoke. So uh, I just wanted to get your initial thoughts, though, on, on the new head coach, Matt LaFleur. After one year, how would you, how would you grade him? Well, I would say uh, overall, I would give him uh, up to now a solid B+. Plus. You know, um, I, I like the way that um, – Here's what I really like about the offense, because, you know, he is somebody who was a former offensive coordinator 
Um, we used to work under um, Mike Shanahan uh, back uh, when he was coaching the Redskins. Um, what I like about him is there's a greater emphasis on running the football. And, you know, I think that, you know, uh, that's going to help us a lot. It helped us a lot this past season, and, and it's going to continue um, helping us down the road as well. So I, I do like that emphasis. Um, and, you know, overall, I think he's still learning on the job. You know, you saw him in a couple of games where, you know, he was uh, sort of exposed. But um, it was also really, uh, since he's more of an offensive guy, I think it was really Mike Patton, the defensive coordinator, uh, who really um, sort of disappointed me a few times this past season. Uh, but, you know, as far as LaFleur goes, he's, he's a young coach. Uh, uh, schematically, um, the, the guy knows what he's doing in terms of X's and O's. Uh, comes from that Shanahan family uh, where he where he runs and he's a believer in that you know zone running scheme that outside zone running scheme and and I think that um, that's only going to help the play action game and that's only going to help Aaron Rodgers you know as he you know plays his last two or three years in in the NFL uh, because you know quite frankly you know he is 36 and some people think that he's going to play until he's 43 I don't see that. Uh, I, I think he's got two or three more good years left uh, in, in uh, his NFL career. And I think that, you know, if you can help him uh, as far as surrounding him with the right talent and, and uh, continue emphasizing the running game and getting some good blockers in front of him, I, I think that he still has a lot to offer. You mentioned the defensive coordinator there, Mike Patton, and you were a little bit disappointed with the way that he coached up that unit. What specifically were you disappointed with? The fact that he struggled at times at making adjustments. You know, I, I still can't get that 49ers loss out of my head in the uh, NFC I don't think I don't think anyone can, whether it's the NFC Championship game or the first regular season matchup between the 49ers. It's a nightmare. Absolutely. And, and so, uh, again, I mean, I, I remember hearing one of your podcasts, and you didn't have high hopes going into that game. And realistically, I didn't expect the Packers to win either. However, uh, I did want them to be competitive. I wanted, I wanted to see a good ball game. Uh, but, you know, the, the 49ers just blew them out of the water uh, from basically the word go. And they didn't have to, like, pass the ball. I think uh, Garoppolo attempted eight passes all game. So um, as far as Mike Penton goes, when you see that the 49ers uh, are just destroying you off the ball in, in the ground game, you know, with Raheem Mostert, you know, picking up yards. I believe he had uh, well over 200 yards in that game. I mean, you need to make some proper adjustments. And what I was seeing was, you know, in, in the second quarter, when everybody, when everybody knew that, you know, uh, what, what the 49ers game plan was, I see, I see the outside linebackers lining up in wide nine, leaning up, uh, leaving the C gaps open. I'm like, come on, Patton, what are you doing, man? Come on. So you know, it's little things like that um, that, to me, uh, makes makes me question uh, sort of, you know, um, Mike Penton as, as a defensive coordinator. And then throughout the year, uh, I just see this lack of emphasis on his part in stopping the run. I, I you know, there, there was a quote from him. I forgot exactly when, but there, either it was during the season or right before the season, he mentioned that, oh, well, you know, stopping the run is really takes a backseat to, you know, uh, stopping, stopping the passing game, the opposing passing game. And so, 
I just, I just don't like that mentality either uh, as far as Mike Penton goes. And, you know, hey, look, I mean, I, I expect uh, with, uh, with a few new pieces, you know, this year uh, in terms of who we picked up in free agency and who we're going to get in the draft, I, I do expect the defense to improve at least, at least a bit. And, uh, but uh, I have to say, you know, um, up until now, Mike Pettin to me has been somewhat of a disappointment. So uh, would you have let him go at the end of the season? Were you surprised that he got re-upped? Yeah, I, I kind of was. I mean, look, I, I just, I don't like replacing guys just for the sake of bringing in a shiny new toy. But if there's somebody out there that you think is an improvement, like to me, I mean, Wade Phillips, you know, I, and I know, you know, the Rams didn't have a great season either. But, you know, Wade Phillips is, is, a, is a defensive coordinator that can come in and instantly change your team. And he's done that in the past, whether it was with the Texans or with the Rams. Uh, so uh, to me, you know, I would have I looked into bringing in somebody like that, a, a real veteran, a guy who's been in the NFL forever. He's got good bloodlines. His dad was a head coach for a long time. So um, I would have seriously looked into that. But, you know, it seems like, you know, the, the Packers – want to uh they want continuity in the coaching staff and they're going to give them another shot but i mean if i don't see significant improvement this year i mean i i don't know i don't know how how Petten stays w- with the team one new guy that Petten will have on defense this upcoming season they just added in free agent christian kirksey from the browns what was your initial thoughts with the signing uh i kind of had mixed feelings about it just because you know, here's the main thing with Kirksey is if you look at his last couple of seasons, I think he's only played about eight or nine games. He's missed significant time over the past two seasons. So I'm just, you know, wondering where he is health wise. Now, if he can return to his 2016 levels when he was at his best, he when you know, he was one of those linebackers that just was all over the field. And, and was a real uh, tone setter, a defensive leader. Then I, I think that this is this is a good this is a good buy. This is a good acquisition, um, considering that you know we didn't have to pay him a ton of money. And you know what I also like as far as you know the the contract goes that they signed them to, is that they have a lot of like uh, there are a lot of like game bonuses uh, attached to that contract. So. You know, obviously, uh, it's incentive-laden, and, and, if, and if the more games he plays, the more he's going to make. But, you know, if, if it turns out that he has another um, injury-plagued season, they can get out of that contract very easily after one year. So I, I kind of like that about it. So uh, is he going to be an upgrade over Blake Martinez? I don't know. I know he's going to be a lot cheaper. And, and uh, maybe he could be just as good or, you know, uh, can come very close to the kind of production Martinez gave us. Uh, I know a lot of people get on Martinez because, you know, he's not the type of uh, sideline to sideline player uh, that, you know, that excels at covering tight ends in the passing game. And I know, you know, he made, he made a lot of tackles downfield, um, you know, when guys already had their first down and whatever, but um I think I think Blake is a uh, is an up and coming player. Um, I do think he's somewhat limited, but I also think that you know he's he's a reliable player. 
Uh, unfortunately, uh, he, he didn't make enough splash plays for us this past season, but uh, is Kirksey going to be uh, an improvement over Martinez? I don't know. But, but, uh, but again, if, if he can return to those 2016 levels, and he is young enough, you know, he's only 27 years old, um, I, I do think that he could be an asset for this defense. Another position where the Green Bay Packers struggled outside of one particular guy, Devontae Adams, the wide receiver position. And they somewhat addressed that with the addition of Devin Funches. And I looked at this signing and pretty much similar to the Christian Kirksey signing, right? Uh, low risk, possible high reward if it works out. What do you think we could expect from Funches in Green Bay? Yeah, I <laughs> – this, this acquisition just blew me away just because I, I wasn't expecting them to – I didn't even know they had any interest in Devin Funches. Uh, so here, here's the key with, with Devin Funches. Uh, he, he has been a disappointment overall outside of his uh, – I believe it was his uh, 2018 season or 2017. He had one season where he had over 800 yards – um, so he, he has shown the ability to, to be a type of player who um, has some athleticism and can make some big plays in the right type of offense. But uh, see, the thing with Funches is, is that he, he drops the ball a lot. But if, if, you, take a look at, uh, if you take a look at some analysis, um, uh, I forgot who it was. Um, I believe it was Evan Silva, who used to be with Roto World. Um, he had some he had some great analysis on Devin Funches. He pointed out then uh, that when he lined up inside as an inside receiver, uh, he didn't drop any passes. He was a lot more shorthanded, uh, whereas as an outside receiver, he struggled a whole lot more. So I think that the Packers know this. I think they see this, and I think they expect him to operate as sort of like a big slot or. Um, you know, somewhat of like an H-back slash tight end or, you know, just somebody who can, you know, go over the middle, post up smaller defenders and, you know, and, and come up with those catches that, you know, that can stretch the field. So, uh, or move the chains, I should say. And so um, I like the, I like the move uh, that in, you know, in the, in the standpoint that it's, uh, they're only spending 2.5 million, I believe and it's only a $2.5 million dollar uh, cap hit in order to allow Funches to be on the roster. So um, they're, they're not risking a lot. It's a one-year contract. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, who is he replacing? Geronimo Allison, it was a total zero last year as, as a slot receiver. So um, I, I think uh, the fact that, you know, we're talking about a former second-round pick, um, somebody that does have athletic ability and somebody who is only about 26 years old, uh, I think if they use him properly, I think that he can be productive in this offense. In just a couple more weeks, the Green Bay Packers will have another opportunity to improve their overall roster with the NFL draft. A little different than usual, obviously going completely virtual, but you look at the Packers overall as a team and you look at this draft, in your opinion, what are their biggest needs? Well, I would say that they have a lot of needs overall, but uh, the primary needs are going to be uh, wide receiver, offensive tackle, linebacker, and I, I think those are the primary ones, but uh, they can also use some more help on the defensive line as well. 
You know, so, you know, they, they might shock us and go ahead and, and, and take a defensive lineman in, in, the, in the first round. I would not be surprised if that does happen. But I would say um, definitely uh, receiver, offensive tackle, and linebacker are the three primary areas in need. You know, I, it's interesting that you mentioned defensive line because I was going to ask you uh, a little later, you know, I, I've read, I know you read a ton of mock drafts, you listen to a lot of mock drafts, and, and one position that I feel like um, not a lot of people are mocking this position to the Green Bay Packers is that defensive line. I mean, you look at, you look at the losses that Green Bay had and they got, they were gashed in the run game. And I mean, one way of improving that is beefing up that defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so if, if you take a look at, you know, what they had there last year, um, you know, uh, as far as, I mean, outside of Kenny Clark, Kenny, Kenny Clark is one of the better interior uh, linemen in the league, and he had six sacks. So um, there's really uh, nothing to complain about as far as he goes. But if you take a look at some of the um, other players on that defensive line, you had um, Dean Lowry, uh, Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams, I mean, none of these guys really distinguished themselves. As a matter of fact, all three of those players combined for one and a half sacks. And so you need to get more out of that position. And so, like, to me, a guy like Lowry or Lancaster, those, those are backup type players. Uh, they can't be starting for you. Uh, they can't be playing a lot of snaps. So uh, I would definitely I would definitely be looking at um, – you know, maybe bringing in a, a couple of big bodies in there uh, that can help uh, shore up that um, that run defense, as as we alluded to before. You know, a run defense that struggled mightily, especially you know in those two games against the 49ers and on other occasions as well. Uh, so, you know, um, it, again, I, I would I would not have a problem with the Packers uh, taking a defensive lineman at some point, even in the first round, if somebody's there. Uh, that could provide a little bit of value. At at the uh, start of this interview, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and how many more years he may have, and that's a huge speculation. You hear him say he wants to play well in his 40s, but we obviously we don't know how much longer the quarterback has. With that being said, I have seen way too many mock drafts with the Green Bay Packers selecting a quarterback at the end of the first round. Please tell me that you disagree with that move. Yes, I do. Um, I, I disagree uh, just because if you see some of those names that are being projected in the late first round, in particular, Jordan Love is, is a player that a lot of people have been talking to, a, a name that's been bandied about a lot over the past few weeks as, as sort of that um, you know, late first round pick that you know, the, the Packers can develop. To me, uh, if, if you're going to take a quarterback in the first round, he has to be somebody that um, has that potential to be a franchise quarterback. And I don't know what we have with Jordan Love. Um, I, I know that, you know, he's the type of player that comes with a lot of physical skills. But if you watch his tape, he leaves a lot to be desired. Um, you know, he's a, a sort of like a high ceiling, low floor type of guy. Uh, although um, he's big, he's fast, he's got a strong arm. He also didn't work deep into his progressions uh, over at Utah State. He needs to speed up his reads. He needs things simplified. So to me, he's very much a developmental player. And if you're talking about a developmental quarterback, 
then why take him in the first round when you can go in the third and fourth round? And there are plenty of quarterbacks that fit that profile. So to me, you know, I'd rather hold off and then, you know, maybe in the late third round or maybe in the fourth round, I'd go ahead and take somebody like Anthony Gordon out of Washington State, who uh, to me, I think is a more polished passer than Jordan Love, even, you know, though he, he might not have the same arm strength. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking a quarterback in the first round. Good. I'm glad we could agree on that. And, and like you said, I have no problem if you're going to take uh, take a quarterback in, in the fourth or the fifth round along those lines. But here we are. I mean, let's not forget the Green Bay Packers were one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. Drafting a quarterback at the end of the first round does not make, make them a better team. And uh, if anything, it's kind of shutting that window. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, look, they didn't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. So they weren't able to address all their needs or even most of their needs, I don't think. So uh, you can't go investing a first round pick in a backup quarterback uh, when you have so many other positions that you have to address. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, one position that I will have no problem if they decide to go this route in the first round is obviously wide receiver. And I know for one of your latest pieces for PackersTalk.com, you outlined some of the top wide receivers, specifically someone who could take over as that new Randall Cobb. Which prospect are you most intrigued with? To me, it's Jalen Rieger. Um, Rieger, Rager, I'm not sure how they pronounce his name, but I think that he is that type of sort of a quick receiver, speedy receiver who can line up in the slot and offer a lot of what Randall Cobb provided to the Packers for so many years. You know, a guy that, you know, you watch, the, you watch him on film. I mean, he just like pops. He just like jumps out at you. Uh, very explosive, uh, very quick, changes directions. And what I really like about him is that when he does change directions, he maintains his 4-4 speed, you know, and, and so he's very hard to cover. And a lot of people might say, well, you know, he's, he's not really big. You know, he's 5'11", maybe about 190. But he made a lot of contested catches at TCU, um, whether it was downfield, whether it was over the middle. Uh, so he is, he is the type of guy that, you know, uh, you know, whether you're, you're lined up at the 20 or the 30 or, or, you know, by your, by your own end zone, he can, um, he is a threat. He is a threat to take it all the way, um, from whatever position, just because, uh, his acceleration, his speed, uh, his change of direction skills are, are second to none. And I do think that he's tough and I do think that he's strong as well. For, for a guy who's 5'11", 190. So to me, um, I, I think that if you're looking for that next Randall Cobb, I think Jalen Rager is, um, he is the guy who really, really fits that, that profile to me. Ralph, before I let you go, let people know how they could follow you and, and read some of your latest work. Yeah, I, I would say probably the easiest way is uh, just uh, check out my Twitter account, at Reverend Ralph. And, you know, I have all my stuff posted right there. Um, I also write for PackersTalk.com and PackToTheFuture.com, and you can see some of my work there as well. Ralph Mancini, give him a follow on Twitter. Read all of his work at PackToTheFuture.com and PackersTalk.com. 
Ralph, this was awesome. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Always a pleasure, Joe. Take care. Go, Pat, go! Our second guest of the podcast, he is the executive producer of The Bill Michael Show on 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. Occasionally, you'll also hear him fill in on air, and if it was uh, if it was up to me, I'd have him on much more. Joe Zenzola joins the podcast. Joe, how are you? From one Joe to another, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Joe, I'm not going to lie. When I first broke into the radio business, I thought, oh, let me uh, let me make my Twitter um, at Radio Joe Sports, and then here we go. I, I start searching, and you took it already from me. <laughs> well, hey, someone took Radio Joe. Like, I, like, originally, I wanted to just be at Radio Joe, but there was some dude in California, and he doesn't even do radio, and he's like a masseuse. And so his Twitter handle was at Radio Joe. And I'm like, damn, what am I going to do now? What a waste. So, what a waste. Right. <laughs> Joe, before, Crazy. Joe, before we get into, uh, into the Packers free agency and, and the NFL draft, um, I know you're still working very hard every single day producing the Bill Michaels show. Um, unlike many, though, you're one of the few that are still actually in studio during the, this you know, hectic time. What's that been like? It's, it's been really surreal. I mean, it's, I am like literally the last man standing in the building. So it is just myself and my assistant producer, Evan Heffelfinger. We're the only two guys left. All the sales staff, general manager, all the execs, all the HR people. Um, you know, we're in the same building with two other radio stations, uh, the Mix and Kiss FM. Their DJs are all doing stuff remotely. Everyone in this building um, is working home and for myself and Evan we're the only two other guys and then the only other time we see other people is if we're you know changing hands with the morning show because they have one producer that's still here and then the afternoon show the big show they've got two guys that are still hanging around so at the most at any given time in the building there's four people but these hallways are very very quiet in a way it's kind of nice because you can concentrate on things more and you're not hearing other conversations and other gossip and other stuff like that. But it, it is pretty crazy. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I mean, this is probably going to be going on for quite a while here. I mean, for the foreseeable future, it's going to be like this. Yeah, absolutely. If, if there's one thing, and I think I may know the answer just based off uh, following you on Twitter, but one thing you miss the most that you, you haven't been able to do because of the quarantine. It's golf. I, I just, I, I, I should have played the golfing. I should have played the lot. Yeah, line. right. I knew, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, funny you mentioned golf because PGA, they just announced uh, the, the Masters, a tentative new schedule to be in, uh, in November. Masters competing with NFL Sunday. You have any, and college, potentially college football Saturday. You have any problems with that? Uh, how, what's going to be on the, on the TV set? So, I mean, this is my deal. Like, I think, the Masters is number one. I mean, now part of my job is producing our uh, post-game shows that we do after every Packer game. And obviously I'm going to have, have to watch the Packers if they're playing on that particular Sunday right up against the Masters. Otherwise, if I'm not watching the Packers, I am certainly watching the Masters because that is my thing. But, like, this is how I feel about it. First of all, CBS would be stupid. And whoever makes that, if they ever made this decision, they should be fired for it. Uh, Jim Nance should be calling the Masters. He should not be doing 
you know, that would be like what week 11, week 12 of the NFL, that particular weekend in November, Jim Nance can miss a week of the NFL. He needs to be at Augusta national. He is the voice of the masters. There is really no one else in CBS that I could look at and say, Oh yeah, he would be a, he would be a good fill-in. And believe me, like, you know, they've got Ian Eagle, they have Kevin Harlan, they, they have some really good broadcasters over there, but they, that's not, they don't sound the way the Masters should sound like Jim Nance does. So, like, like my whole thing is, first of all, CBS, they're going to have to make that decision just say, look, Jim Nance has to be on that call. My other thought to this is, you know, what, I think one of the most unfair things in the NFL is how bye weeks are distributed. You know, there are so many teams who have bye weeks at goofy points of the season. Like, I hate any team that gets stuck with a bye week week four. I mean, we really haven't even gotten into the NFL season yet, and they get a bye week just like that. I mean, it happened to the Packers a couple of years ago. And meanwhile, there's other teams that play super late into the season, week 12, and now they're finally getting their bye. What if you just did one week where, okay, half of the NFL goes on bye, which means – CBS is not carrying any NFL games at all, and it's just the Masters. And then the rest of the NFL games just stick to Fox, and that way you're able to level things out a little bit. And then if you want to distribute bye weeks to the rest of the teams that didn't get a bye week that particular week, then you could do it maybe the rest of the different weekends in November or something. That way it's a little bit more fair if you want to distribute it that way. But um, I mean, I, I just I, – I, that's – at least that's one solution. I'll be very curious to see uh, how CBS handles this, how the NFL ha- handles this. But you put it this way, sports is going to be freaking crazy in the fall. Joe, you know why that won't happen? What you, that, that, what you just, your scenario that you just made up? That won't happen because it just makes too much sense. But you're so right. <laughs> you're so right. First of all, the bye weeks, I totally agree with that. And I don't want to have Jim Nance calling Patriots Dolphins in the middle of, like you said, what, week 11? Again, it just right. makes much sense. Exactly. Who cares? This is the granddaddy of them all. Right. And then, see, the other thing, too, is, like, here's another example. Fox, Joe Buck doesn't call every single NFL game every single week. I mean, Joe Buck is covering MLB postseason through October. I mean, they're pulling him off a lot of those prime 325 kickoffs on Fox and they're putting him on baseball because that's just what he does. You know, yeah, he's had to do more work now with Thursday night football, but even so, I mean, they have no problem pulling Joe Buck off and then, you know, putting in Tom Brenneman or whoever with Troy Aikman. So, I mean, to me, with CBS, it's the same deal. I just I just think it's a no-brainer. It's, it's some knucklehead over there who, who thinks they're smarter than everyone else, thinks that Jim Nance would sound better doing another week of the NFL over doing the actual Masters. They should be fired for that, man. They should and, be fired for that. And if that's the case, I'm going to have to send them this podcast and this audio specifically. <laughs> and, and you need a raise and another, and, a, and another job. All right? So if you yeah. get another job, I pass along this audio. Yeah, uh, an executive for CBS would not be a bad gig. Uh, all right, Joe, enough of the golf because, of course, I brought you here to talk some Packers football. So let's begin with uh, free agency. Out of all the players that Green Bay lost this free uh, this offseason, uh, who do you think they will miss the most? 
I think it's Brian Balaga. I mean, he has just been such an anchor on that right side for, you know, for this team for such a long time. I mean, he's been a fan favorite. You know, the biggest knock has always been whether or not he's able to stay healthy every single year that he plays. And uh, for the most part, this past season, I was pretty impressed to see him out there quite a, quite a bit. You know, I mean, that you're always waiting for that other shoe to fall with Brian Balaga. But when he was out there, he was healthy. He was very, very effective. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, Ricky Wagner is not a bad addition to the team, but I think he's a little bit of a downgrade from what you had with Balaga. Um, I, I just, to me, Joe, that is the one that really stands out. And I will just be very curious to see how he looks as, as a charger and whether he can keep his career going and, you know, be able to play for another, I don't know, three to five years, hopefully. On the flip side, and you mentioned Wagner, but out, out of the, the new additions, who do you think has the most potential? I think it's Kersey. Um, and, and see, that's, a, that's another guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy when he was playing for Cleveland. Um, this, this is a guy that I, I feel for the Packers might have been a steal. Um, you know, when he is out there, when he is healthy, he's, he's super fast. He's got great lateral movement. He's got a, he's got a nose for the football. He's, he knows where he needs to be. Um, he's, he's a hitter. He can wrap up. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's kind of what you're looking for as a perfect inside linebacker. That's going to be able to fit well in the Mike Patton scheme. Um, and for what you're paying him, I mean, it, it is, it is a bargain because again, if he can stay healthy, um, I think he can make a huge impact. And, and I remember too, watching hard knocks with the Browns a couple of years ago, um, they, they featured him a little bit and it was kind of cool to kind of get to know Christian Kirksey a little bit off the field and during practices. And he's kind of a, he's kind of like a vocal leader on that team. Um, someone that a lot of the players looked up to. So you know, to have more leadership in that locker room and kind of add that to what the Smiths have already already been able to bring there, um, I think that's a pretty good deal as well. It, it, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's good to have more veterans on this Packer squad. Yeah, and I think uh, with all three of these signings, uh, low risk, high potential, high reward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, and Funches is kind of the same deal. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know how... I don't know what they're going to do with Funches because some people have said that he could go back and play tight end. Um, I, 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 it would not surprise me in the slightest, Joe, if Matt Lafleur got really creative with that. And and again, we'll see kind of how they address things in the draft. If they try to draft another tight end, or do they just try to go with you know Robert Tunyon and Jay Sternberger? Um, I I don't know. But Funches is another intriguing guy, and I'm not saying he's going to be you know, a, a great receiver by any means for the Packers, but there's not a whole lot of risk there with him. I mean, I mean it's, he's, and he's coming the, on the cheap. The, the other thing, I mean, you're not really looking for a spectacular, you know, number two option. You're just looking for a potential reliable person to be another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Cause quite frankly, last season, there wasn't anybody that was reliable. Yeah. Alan Lazard came on strong late, but we, I, I, you know, I'll say it, I thought Geronimo Allison. It was his opportunity to, you know, have a have a tremendous year. I thought MVS was going to have a breakout year. It just never happened. So hopefully he could even bring some sort of stability there. Well, that's the thing, and you know, another receiver too that 
um, continue to wow us in the preseason the last couple of years with Jay Kumaro. I mean, it's like Jay Kumaro just shines in the preseason, and you're thinking, okay, could the UW Whitewater product actually do something? I mean, Aaron Rodgers always speaks glowingly about him. You know, is there a connection here? Is there something there? And I was just, I'm not going to lie, I was very surprised by the lack of targets Jay Kumaro got. Um, when he got playing time this season, I was very surprised that even w- when he was getting targets, it's just he wasn't really making the most of it. And again, you were trying to find someone behind Devontae Adams. And Alan Lazard was that guy at the end of the day. But um, I was even kind of hoping for Jake Kumro to step up, and he never did. But, I mean, that leads to my next point, Joe. I, I just think when it comes to the draft <laughs> – like, honestly, I think they do need a, a, a true number two receiver. They need a playmaker next to Devontae. It can't just be Devontae, and then it drops off like that. Even if Alan Lazard, you know, plays the same way that he did last year. I think if you can find a, a receiver in this draft, and it's just rich with guys, but if you can find a, a receiver in this draft that can make an immediate impact, you know, in the first couple of months of the season, that goes a long way. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has had so many great targets. He's had so many great receivers, and they've all been able to play together throughout a lot of Aaron Rodgers' career. I, to me, I think you do need a true number two. Someone has to develop into that, and maybe this is the year in the draft where you're able to find that particular guy. Would you take that particular guy in the first round? Yes. See, this is the thing. You know, I am. I, I totally, totally understand. Plus, best player available, um, and it, it is. It is something that, at the end of the day, when it comes to drafting, um, you you should follow that. Whatever your board says, whoever the top guy is on the list when you're at number thirty, it's probably the guy you should take. But again, we're talking about a Packer team that had some holes last season, and yet they were one game away again from the Super Bowl. And I just, I'm not really sure if you should be trying to mess around and trying to draft guys that have the upside, but can't really help you right now. Like last year, yes, Elton Jenkins in the second round was a great pick. Darnell Savage, late in the first round, you actually got aggressive and moved up to get him, make sure he was going to fall to someone else. And he's made a nice impact for the Packers in his rookie year. But that Rashawn Gary pick is really coming back to bite the Packers in the butt. I, mean, I just find it hard to believe he was the best player on their board. I I think right now at pick thirty, again you're not picking near the top ten here. You're at you're at pick thirty. I have to think there are there are going to be a lot of talented receivers at that particular pick, and I would be totally fine, Joe, if they take any one of them. I I, I don't I there is not a particular receiver I'm looking at in this draft where I say that's the guy they need to take over this guy. It, it doesn't matter. This this draft class is so rich with receivers, and I would be fine taking one in the first round and then maybe taking one later on in the third or fourth round. I mean, why not? Go, go ahead and just do it. You've got all these picks again this year. Um, and if they, don't, if, they, well, if, if they don't go after receiver, Joe, I would be fine in the first round if they take a tackle or if they take an inside linebacker. Like, those are the three positions. Someone of of a of good talent has to be there for them at pick 30. See, my concern with, and I'm on board, you know, if I had, if I had to make the pick, I want to take a wide receiver. 
But as you, as you just noted, the fact that this wide receiver class appears to be so deep and so talented that maybe you could still get that number two guy in the second or third round. And if, if an inside linebacker or a tackle were to drop at 30, I would pull the trigger on them in that first round. Yeah, I mean, I would be fine with that too. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I would not be opposed to it. Like, th- there is no excuse. Like, if you get out of round three and you haven't drafted a receiver, I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm going to be pretty upset with Brian Gutekunst. Now, you know, the last time they drafted all these receivers was just a couple of years ago. It was Jamon Moore. It was EQ. It was MVS. And those guys were what rounds four, five, and six, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, but th- this. This is a draft where you have to pounce on it. Um, and, 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 I mean, again, if there, if there is a very talented receiver that might have been taken top 15 and he falls to the Packers at 30, I think it's a no-brainer to take him there. And then if you want to take another receiver in the second or third round, I'm fine with that too. All, the, all you're trying to do, Joe, is just hit on one guy. It's really all you need. You just need to hit on one guy that you can pair with Devontae Adams and just make things that more lethal on offense. That's all you got to do. Before we continue talk, uh, talking about this dress specifically, though, you mentioned Rashawn Gary, right? Um, what will, it, for in your opinion, is it too early really to judge what we have in Rashawn Gary? And, you know, when you look at the production that you got from the Smith duo, it, it's hard to – it's hard to really justify just throwing them out there to throw them out there. You know what I'm saying? Like when the production mm-hmm. is so good. So what do you, what do you need to see from him this season that we, we obviously didn't see last season? Well, I mean, first off with Rashawn Gary, no, you don't want to give up on the guy. It's only a second season, but the issue here is when exactly is he going to get, a lot of playing time. If the Smiths are out there and they're healthy and they're dominating and you can only rotate Rashawn Gary in, in certain packages or when you need to give the Smiths a little bit of rest, I mean, I, I think you need to, you need to have a bigger sample size. And I just don't think Rashawn Gary is going to get enough snaps. If the Smiths can stay healthy again in 2020, it's going to be very hard for Rashawn Gary to really get a good look to see what you have in him. And that that's, mm-hmm. that's the dilemma there. And not to mention, I mean, the guy has had an injury history as well, and we've seen him get nicked up in some of the plays he's been able to go on. You know, it's just, you're, you know, this dude can be pretty fragile and and that is very concerning as well. So like for me, I want to see more explosiveness off the edge when he does come in. I want to see him, you know, everyone, everyone talks about how athletic he is. He's this athletic freak. Well, I can certainly see it, but now I want to see that off against some pretty impressive left tackles or right tackles. I mean, however, however you want to line him up. um, I just want to see him be able to explode when that ball is snapped, be able to do some kind of stun off the guy and be able to just go right at the quarterback. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want out of Rashawn Gary. I mean, you wasted a very high draft pick on him, and you got to be, you can't miss on those kind of picks. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't miss on that. Nice. But again, with the, I mean, with, with what the Smiths have been able to do, I mean, it's the best case scenario because now you don't have to rely on a rookie to get the job done. But still, 
now you're in the situation where it's like, okay, well, how do we real? I mean, how do we know what we have here? I mean, you could almost, you could almost just say, well, maybe we should trade Rashawn Gary and maybe find a way to, you know, move up in the draft and maybe someone else who wants to take a chance on an edge rusher um, who's young and has the upside. Maybe there's a team out there that wants to do that instead because you really just don't have enough room for him. I mean, it's a very interesting thing to ponder. One, one thing that I've been uh, noticing as I scamper through the, the thousands of mock drafts that, that are out there right now and they're coming hot and heavy and have been all off season. I can't understand anybody who is mocking a, a quarterback to the Green Bay Packers in the first round. Please tell me that you agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not on board drafting a quarterback in the first round. I, I mean, I'm just the, the I, only possible way is if Joe Burrow like somehow yeah. magically went to number thirty, kind of like how Rodgers fell in the Packers' lap. Like that's the only possible way. That 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 that's it. I mean, that's pretty much it. If Joe Burrow's there at thirty, yes, you take him. I, now, I don't I don't care who else is on the board. At this at this point, though, are you starting to look at? or try to find that, that next potential quarterback, maybe rounds, you know, three to five. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, I I think it's definitely worth the risk. I'm fine wasting a third or fourth or fifth round pick on a quarterback because this quarterback class this year is not a bad class. It's, it's better than last year's class. Um, You know, the guy that the Packers, you know, continue to be connected with is Jordan Love. And I would, I would be totally fine if they took him, um, I, I'm just, I'm not really sure where he's going to end up, um, what round he may fall to, but that's a kid they've been looking at very closely. Um, I would be fine with that. And the thing is, all you got to do, like, first I'll say this, Joe, like they need to take a quarterback this year in the draft. Like, I'll just say that. I mean, not in the first round, probably not in the second round, but rounds three through seven, you want to take a quarterback by all means do it. Like Tim Boyle cannot be Aaron Rodgers backup. He, he just can't. I would have someone else behind Aaron Rodgers that he can learn from and, you know, get all the reps that he can in training camp and in preseason games and learn as much as he can absorb all the information he can, you know, from one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And then in a couple of years, if Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a very high level as he's pushing 40 years old, then you can do the same thing like you did with like a Brett Hundley. You trade him mm-hmm. and you move on. You know, you, you get whatever draft pick you can for him. And then you reassess and decide, okay, you know, maybe we should draft another quarterback. I mean, you really have to, you got to play your cards the right way here. And you got to really see whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to regress at some point. Aaron Rodgers, I think, can still play at a very high level and still be a very effective quarterback. But at some point, that regression will take place, and it'll be very significant. So you've got to make sure you have something there behind them. Tim Boyle ain't going to be the answer. So this year, I don't think it hurts at all to take a quarterback You know, between rounds three through seven. Before you watch the Packers on Sundays, I know on Saturdays you get real busy and watch the Wisconsin Badgers. Which former Badger are you most excited to watch at the next level in this upcoming draft? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, the two guys that really come to mind in this are Jonathan Taylor and Quintus Cephas. 
Um, I'll start with Cephas because, first of all, I thought Cephas was going to come back uh, for his senior year with the Badgers. Um, I, I, there was, I, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised when I found out that he was entering the NFL draft because there were really no indications from him that he was willing to leave uh, Wisconsin. I mean, but he had such a heck of a year. I just, I think he is probably one of the best receivers the Badgers have really ever had. I mean, they've never been known um, to develop great wide receivers, but the talent is certainly there with Cephas, the hands, the fact he can go vertical, his speed. I mean, he is, that is a kid that will probably end up going maybe in rounds, I would say maybe, maybe round two at the absolute earliest, but I, I could see him going in rounds three or four. And I could see him having a really nice career in the NFL because he's got that skill set to be a very effective receiver. Um, so, you know, he's the first guy I'm really curious to see how he's going to pan out and whether, you know, he makes the right decision going to the NFL right away and not, you know, taking another year to develop. I mean, it's just too bad the Badgers don't have him this year. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, um, you know, it really irritates me when I see mock drafts that don't have Jonathan Taylor as the number one running back in the class. And, and look, you can make an argument for J.K. Dobbins, and that's cool. But I, Jonathan Taylor, he is the total package. He just is. You know, the one the one knock on him is securing the football. You know, he had some issues with that. Um, I personally, I felt he did a better job. Uh, this past season securing the football until later in the year when things got bad. And then he had some issues in the Rose bowl. Um, That was not good. Uh, That's the only thing that's working against him, but he was a running back that was, you know, fairly North to South and then would show his explosiveness to the outside as well. And then they added to that this past season, they made him a pass catching running back. And they got him into some zone schemes, and he was really effective. I mean, every time Jack Cohn would throw him the football, he was catching it. He was he hardly dropped that ball um, as a pass catcher. And we talk about the NFL all the time. You need running backs that can catch the football now in all these crazy schemes. So Jonathan Taylor kind of gave me the okay and made me feel comfortable to say, hey, he's got another element to his game here that NFL teams would clamor for. So – I'm very curious to see where Jonathan Taylor ends up. I think he could very well go late in the first round. He might even be a dude that the Packers have the opportunity of drafting in the first round at pick 30. Um, I don't know if they do it. I'm not even sure if I would do it. I would, I mean, I'd love to have Jonathan Taylor on the Packers, but um, it's uh, he's Jonathan Taylor. I, I think can be very effective at the next level, Joe. Well, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, we heard Matt LaFleur come out and say that they're looking for a third running back. Now, obviously, you draft the running back in the first round. Yes, late. Um, I don't think you're drafting a running back to be the third guy on the roster, but, I mean, a running back could easily be in play um, during this draft. And, you know, you think long-term next year, Aaron Jones is a free agent, and he's not the only guy that's going to have to get paid. So who knows what that that whole um, dynamic is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I continue to ponder. Like, you know, we talk about running backs all the time and whether or not they should be getting these next big contracts and whether or not you want to go through with that as a franchise because the wear and tear is is so significant to that particular position. I mean, I would, you know, as much as I want a receiver, I want a tackle, I want an inside linebacker in the first round, I mean, I got to see what's there, I guess, like if Jonathan Taylor fell to the Packers, because 
yeah, you could make an argument. And I've seen some people be totally on board with this to say, you know what? No, don't resign Aaron Jones, save your money and roll with Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield. Um, I don't think that's the craziest take to have out there. But the thing is right now, a lot of fans are so attached to Aaron Jones. I love Aaron Jones. I, I don't want to lose Aaron Jones, but you got to make sure that the price is going to be right here. Because the other thing, Joe, is there's some other Packers that are up for some pay raises. I mean, David Bakhtiari is going to be up for a new contract. Corey Lindsley is going to be up for a new contract. Kenny Clark is going to be up for a new contract. And that's probably the number one guy you want to resign. So, I mean, are the Packers going to have enough money to retain Aaron Jones and then maybe one or two of those other guys? That's, an, that's I mean, that's another big question that, um, you know, we can always get into is, is just they only have so much money to spend because they've devoted it to guys like the Smith, to Aaron Rodgers, to Devontae Adams. So, uh, yeah, Brian Gudikin's going to have his hands full here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, the w- I think we're going to be able to make our um, our overall assumptions on Brian Gutenkus. I know early on, right, you see him make the splashes in free agency with the Smith brothers, uh, Adrian Amos, everything works out. Um, potentially a, another strong draft, you'll, you'll give high praise. But what, what happens with the rest of this roster, especially – and I hate to look that far down the down the line, but especially with with the upcoming free agency list, I mean that is going to be a significant mark on on his tenure as Packers general manager, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I just I think this draft makes things even more important because if you can hit on let's say four guys in this draft, if you can do like what the New Orleans Saints did a few years ago, where they hit on quite a few guys and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're out of the doghouse. They're out of that seven and nine mark. And now they completely turn their team around because some of the rookies that they drafted, like, you know, Ryan Ramchek from the Badgers and Alvin Kamara, like that, that team just totally flipped because they hit on all these picks. If the Packers can have that kind of draft, especially at positions where, you know, you're trying to determine like, you know, Kenny Clark, for example, like he should to me, he needs to be paid. Like, he needs to be on the Packers for the long term. But priority number they draft one. another defensive lineman that is effective, well, then maybe that makes Brian Gutekind's life a little bit easier. Maybe he can trade Kenny Clark or do something crazy like that. Um, you know, same thing at offensive line. Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari. I mean, if I had to pick, you know, I certainly want David Bakhtiari back. But can you find another offensive lineman in the draft that would be able to help out right away? And that could also play the center position like Corey Lindsley. Then that way it makes your life easier there. Um, it's it's really, it's going to be really fascinating. You, If you can hit on rookies, and again, they're so cheap, it just gives you so much more flexibility when you're determining how, how much money you want to give to other players and who is now probably more expendable than maybe you thought a year ago. So – I think this is a very important draft for Goody. It's been hard to determine whether or not he is a good talent evaluator and his staff are good talent evaluators. I think that's still to be determined, but um, this is a, this is a pretty big deal here. And again, this Packers team, they're trying to win a Super Bowl here. Joe Zinzola, give him a follow on Twitter at radio Joe sports. Make sure you listen to the bill Michael show on one Oh five seven, the fan out in Milwaukee, Joe. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you're out on the golf course very, very soon. Well, they say that in Wisconsin, the safer at home thing is going to get lifted on the 24th of April. So I'm crossing my fingers 
that I can go out there and play. Hey, man, golf is good social distancing. It's better social distancing than pretty much anything else you do in your life, going to the store, going to the gas station, uh, even going for a walk and running into other people. Golf is good. I wish more people would understand that, Joe. <laughs> Joe, you are the best. Thank you so much for hopping on. Anytime, man. Thanks. That will wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Special thanks to both my guests, Ralph Mancini, Joe Zinzola. Both of them brought it today. Uh, A lot of good insight with the the Packers regarding free agency and the upcoming draft. So uh, I really have to thank them for making this uh, podcast possible. And I got to thank all of you, all of my uh, loyal listeners, whether you listen from episode one or this is your first episode, I appreciate all of you. For those of you who aren't aware and don't already subscribe, Several different ways that you can listen to the podcast and subscribe. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those great podcast platforms. They'd be greatly appreciated if you go on, subscribe, rate the podcast. Be on the lookout, spoiler alert. Be on the lookout for a couple more episodes over the next two weeks or so. Talking all things NFL draft. Already got one big guest confirmed. Working on another. So we're going we're gonna to have a lot of good uh, NFL draft insight as we approach the NFL draft uh, in just a couple of weeks. So give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, go Pack Go.